stories. I love stories. Welcome to week two of our series, Kingdom Stories. We're looking at stories that Jesus told in order to illustrate a truth or a principle about the kingdom of God. And, you know, Jesus was a master storyteller, and he's told these stories called parables all the time. And what's amazing to me is that with the same story, he was not only good at telling stories, but with the same story, uh, uh, he was able to reveal the kingdom truths to some people, while at the same time, their meaning was kept hidden to others. They heard the same thing. The same words went into their ears, but some understood and some didn't. Uh, and the thing that determined <clears throat> the difference was the condition of the hearer's heart. You know, those who had a soft heart toward God understood the meaning of the parables. You know, sometimes after Jesus explained it, and it's like, ah, okay, now I get it. But they understood, you know, those with the soft heart were able to understand the parables. But those whose heart had become hardened did not understand the meaning. And really, if you think about it, it's the same way with us today. When our hearts are soft toward God and receptive toward God and, and we're, yes, Lord, speak to us. We want to hear and we'll obey and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll let your word work in our lives. We'll receive it. When our hearts are soft and receptive, God can speak his word to us and we understand what he's saying and then we allow it to work in our lives. But when our heart becomes hardened, when we don't listen with the receptive heart, and that can happen because of a number of reasons. And I would say most of us here, if not all of us, have gone through seasons when our, in our lives when our heart has become hardened or we've become jaded or we've, you know, somehow have, have shut out. You know, it's like, I don't want to hear what you're saying. You know, it, we have, it happens through, through offense. It happens through you know, different hurts that come into our lives and different di disappointments that come into our lives and things didn't work out like the way we thought or, or we get in uncomfortable situations. So, and, you know, when that happens, when that happens, our heart tends to become hard and then we don't listen with a receptive heart. We don't listen with one that's intent on obeying what he tells us. And we hear, then we can hear the words, the same words. We hear them with our ears. But it's like they go one in one ear and out the other because we and, and, and we don't understand with our heart. We don't receive it into our heart. So if we want to know God better, then it's important that we keep our hearts soft and receptive toward Him because that's how we're going to know Him better. That's how we're going to draw closer to Him. Now today we're going to look at a parable. It's a short one, only about four verses long. And it's only found in the Gospel of Matthew, okay? Some accounts, some stories in that are found throughout the different, uh, throughout the different uh, uh, Gospels. Some occurrences and some stories just occur in one. This one is just in Matthew's. It's found in Matthew verse 13, starting in verse 47, and it's called the parable of the net or the parable of the dragnet. Um, and it says, once again, Jesus says, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. 
When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore, and then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. And this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, let me start with a question. How many here are fishermen by trade? Anybody? Okay. How many here like to occasionally fish? Several. Do you use a pole or a net? Pole. Anybody use a net other than to scoop up that, you know, 50-pound fish that you caught with your pole that's this big? No? Okay. Since most of us are not fishermen by trade, none of us here, uh, I want to look at this picture, and I want to start just by saying that there's more than one kind of net, okay? And in, in, in that day, there were different types of nets that, that fishermen would use, but the word here is the word used for dragnet, okay? This was a, it's, it's, it's a dragnet that they used here. Now, typically a dragnet would be positioned by, uh, between two boats. And so let's say, um, let's say Jeff, you're one boat, and Jeremiah, you're the other boat, and you've got a net that you've connected and you're both you've got to fasten to your boat okay all right and then you drop the net down the bottom edge of the net is weighted so it goes down to the bottom or at least as far as the net will go but typically go down to the bottom so you've got the net fastened to your boats and then it would start coming in you would start coming in and dragging the net along catching everything and anything that was in its path fish, tires, old shoes, toilet seats, whatever it was, you know, floating around the water, whatever it was, you caught it and, and would drag it in. Uh, another, another, you know, if there was only one boat, typically what they would do is, is uh, uh, fix one point on, on land, like right here, and then another on a boat out here, and then the boat there would just begin to sweep and come around. So if there was just one boat, that's how they would do. If there were two boats, they would put it between them and begin to drag the net. Um, so th that's the picture that we're looking at, this net that is catching the fish. Today I want to just briefly make a couple of observations and then a few implications of what that means for us, okay? Observations from the parable of the net. The first observation I want to make is that the net was indiscriminate as to what fish it brought in, okay? There was no, you know, it, the, the, the net was cast for, you know, just whatever kind of fish was in its path. It, it didn't have any way of differentiating, you know, between one type of fish or another. There was no sensor on it that said, let this one through, catch this one. Uh, you know, couldn't tell the difference between the fish that were suitable, those that were not you know, um, uh, it caught whatever fish was in its path, large, small, clean, unclean, healthy, sick, good-looking, ugly, whatever it was, it was whatever was in its path, it was brought in. Talk about ugly fish. You ever see a catfish? <laughs> catfish are the ugliest things in the sea. 
just about. I'm convinced of that. I mean, think about it. Fish are supposed to have scales, right? They don't have scales. You don't skin uh, or you don't scale a, a catfish when you catch it. My dad used to love catfish to eat it. I can't eat it because a fish is supposed to have scales that you take off before you cook it. A catfish is peeled. It's like, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to eat that thing. Oh, anyway, talk about ugly fish, but... It didn't matter. Whatever was in the path of the net, the, the, the net would catch. You know, it didn't target some fish and not others. It was indiscriminate. The net was cast to bring in whatever was there. Verse 47, a net that was let, it was let down into the lake caught all kinds of fish. All right? Second observation. At the time of the end, the angels will separate the good from the bad. Just as there was a separation of the fish when they got to shore, just as there was a separation of the fish of the good from the bad, there will be a separation of people at the end of the age. The angels would come and separate mankind. Verses 49 and 50 says, This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Though the net did not discriminate between the kinds of fish that were brought in, there was a time of separation and there will be a time at the end of the age when the angels will come and separate people into two groups. Jesus also told about similar thing when he was talking about separate the sheep from the goats. Remember that? I think it's in Matthew 24, I believe, when he talks about separating the sheep from the goats. There is that day coming. Now, as we said last week, every parable has one main point, okay? One main point. The main point of the parable of the net is this. There is a day coming when God will separate, when God will send his angels to separate true believers or those who belong to Jesus from the rest of mankind. And those who do not belong to him will be cast out from his presence for all eternity. That's the main point. That is the main point of this parable. That's why Jesus tells it. We don't like to talk about that. Because, honestly, who likes to talk about hell? You know, unless you, you know, hit your thumb with a hammer or something like that, you know. Nobody likes to talk about it. But it's something that we need to be able to talk about. it. We can't ignore it because Jesus didn't ignore it. He spoke about it a lot. But just as with the other parables, not everyone who has ears, not everyone has ears to hear our hearts or hear ears to hear or hearts to believe what Jesus plainly said. You know, a lot of people don't believe that there is a literal hell. You know, I don't believe in hell. You know, God is a good God and I don't believe in hell. And Lisa said that one time as a, 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 a either a brand new Christian or just very much pre-Christian right then. And the person she said it to listen to her or, or 
the person she said it to just looked at her and said, that's exactly what the devil wants you to believe. And it just cut her to the quick. And yeah, that's exactly what he, what he wanted her to believe. Um, it is a real place. It is a reality that we can't ignore. So that's what, the, that's what it's about. Keeping all that in mind, what are the implications for us? What are the implications for you and for me? There's three things that I see in this. One, our job is to cast the net. Our job is to cast the net. If we are to be fishers of people, we must cast the net for the people. Cast the net for the fish. We're to keep casting it and not stop, not give up. The net's the gospel of the kingdom. We're to keep throwing it out there, keep casting it out. We're to throw it out and bring it back in, 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 and keep doing that for as long as we're alive, as long as we have breath. We are called to be fishers of people, not just a few people. I mean, there's not just a few people that that's for. That is for every single one of us. We are to be fishers of people. That is why we're here. So that we can bring more people into the kingdom. We can bring more people to Jesus. Introduce Jesus to more people and this, so that he becomes their friend. So that he becomes their savior. He becomes their God. We keep casting the net in as many ways as we can to bring in as many as we can. And we cast it by telling people about Jesus, by telling people your story. And, you know, what, how did you, you know, how, what difference did Jesus make in your life? What is your story? And as we said last week, we're interested in your stories. I'd love to hear, I'd love to start getting emails from everybody. Or, or there's a place on our website where you can, you know, post your story. I would love to start getting, you know, like, this is how I met Jesus. This is what Jesus has done in my life. This is my story. We, we cast the net by, by telling people about Jesus, by telling them our story. We cast it by praying for people at work. We cast it by looking for opportunities to share the difference that Jesus has made in our life. We do it by inviting people to church. We do it by living in our, our life in such a way that, Jesus, that, that makes Jesus attractive to others. You know, a lot of times a Christian doesn't, the Christians don't always make Jesus look all that attractive. We're so so caught up in pointing out what's wrong in people's lives sometimes, but that's not Jesus. Jesus made the kingdom of God attractive. Jesus made a relationship with him attractive. Yes, there's a cost and yes, there's, you know, implications there, but when we live our lives for Jesus, there's something about us that is different, that people see and people want. I remember, you know, I've just told this before, when Lisa first gave her life to the Lord, and she's working in, in the, the, uh, a very chaotic office. She was working at the Student Services Building uh, for IU. 
and it was a very chaotic office, uh, records and admissions, and people were stressed out, and people were, you know, this and that, and somebody came up to her one time and said, why is it that you have so much peace about you when nobody else here does? What's different about you? I'll tell you the difference. She just went into a, into a, a, a thriving relationship with Jesus, Making our living our lives in such a way that makes Jesus attractive to others, that's casting the net. So we cast the net wide and we cast the net often. You know why? Because fish don't often jump into a net lying in the bottom of a boat. Hello? Fish don't often just, I've seen videos of fish that jump over the boat. One of them will fall in. That doesn't happen very often. If you're a fisherman, you're not going to make a living counting on that. Just put the net in the bottom of the boat, go out in the lake or out in the river, wherever it is, and, and the sea, and, and, and just, okay, fish, come on. We need to cast the net. We need to drop it into the water. So, second implication is this. When the net is cast and brings people in, our job is to welcome and love everyone who comes. Everyone who comes. Everyone. Now, who does this include? Raise your hand if that includes you. Dell, it does include you. Raise your hand. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. Everyone. We're not to pick and choose who we welcome, who we make feel welcome, who we're going to love. Our job is to warmly welcome whoever the Lord brings through these doors. You know, we used to have a motto that we said all the time, come as you are, you'll be loved. Whatever is going on in your life, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're dealing with, come as you are and you will be loved. Our job is to warmly welcome whoever the Lord brings through these doors, and that's going to be a lot of very broken people. That's going to be people who sometimes make, might make us uncomfortable. That's going to be people who are sometimes very, very different from us. Our job is to love them, whoever they are. And that's speaking individually, and it's speaking corporately as a body, as a church family. So let's talk a minute about what that means. What does it mean that we are going to love everyone that either God brings in the doors of this church or everyone that we meet out there? It means that we treat everyone with respect and dignity. No matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter how they're living, regardless of their background, regardless of how different they may be from us, they are created in the image of God and we treat them as such. And we treat them as we would like to be welcomed and treated. 
everyone. It means that we love everyone even when we don't see anything in the natural that we would love about them or even like about them. Now, let's not get all too spiritual here and think, oh, that wouldn't be me. I wouldn't, you know. Because we all have those people, right? We all have those people that are just, Lord, you told me to love this person, but I'm sure having a hard time with it. It means we love them. Even if we don't see anything in the natural that we love about them or even like about them, even if we disagree with them about every single thing under the sun. You know, people are always trying to tell us that to love someone means that you never disagree with them and you must approve of everything about them, everything they're doing. Baloney, that's the Greek word, baloney. That's just, it's just not true. And that's now how God defines love. So I'm not just saying anything goes and you just be nice to everybody because that's all that matters. All you need is love. Love is all you need. And you get this marshmallowy cloud type picture of, oh, Everything and everyone is so wonderful. That's not life. That's not the real world. We don't have to agree with everyone. But we love them. God didn't define love in a way that says that we must agree with everyone and approve of everything. Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his great love for us, for you and for me. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Did you hear that? While we were still insulting God, while we were still trying to keep him at arm's length, while we were still saying by our words and our actions, I don't want anything to do with you, that's when Christ came to die for us. And that's the kind of love that God showed for us. So it's not that he was approving of or you know, agreeing with everything we were doing. It's just that he still loved us. You might think, but it's hard to love some people. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Just think of this. Think of somebody that, be honest, think of somebody that is hard for you to love for whatever reason. Okay, you got somebody in mind? Okay, now think of this. I want to ask you a question. I wonder if anybody is thinking about us. You're not thinking about me. Huh? Okay, that's good. Somebody here probably is. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you might think, what if I simply don't approve of how they're living? You don't need to, to love them. You don't need to approve of how someone chooses to live in order to love them. See, here's the thing. Our job is not to approve or disapprove 
or endorse or not endorse. Our job is not to do that. Nor does our job to enable. That's another topic, though. But our job is not, it's not up to us to approve or disapprove of somebody. Our job is to love, period. And then there's a third implication. First is our job is to keep casting the net, keep sharing Jesus, keep sharing the gospel of the kingdom. Second, our job is to welcome and love everyone, everyone who comes in, everyone that gets caught in the net, everyone that's brought in, everyone. The third is this. It's God's job to determine who belongs to him and who does not. We don't get to decide who belongs to Jesus and who does not. We don't get to decide who's a true disciple and who is not. You know, I hear people all the time say things like, well, a real Christian would never do this. A real Christian would never do that. You ever hear that? You ever read that on social media? You know, and all these back and forth wars that are worthless and damaging and don't do anything at all. Not anything worthwhile. A real Christian would never do that. A real Christian would never be like that. A real That's not our job. It's not our job to say a Christian would do this and a Christian would do, would not do that. A lot of that just comes from our own What's the word I want? man-made image of what we are comfortable with. Now, there are there things that a Christian should or shouldn't do or should be like or shouldn't be like? Yeah, I mean, the Bible's full of things like that. But it's not our job. It's not our job to make that call. I remember, and I'm so glad because I'm still working on stuff, but I remember as a brand new Christian, when people looked at me, I'd just given my life to the Lord, and I would go home, and I would sit there, I, would, I, I, I had a routine, I would sit there and, well, I would take Lisa to work, okay, student services building, drop her off, I'd go back to our apartment at Tulip Tree, and I would sit there with my Bible open to read, Dallas Home on the stereo. For those of you who don't know Dallas Home, think of, um, you know, contemporary Christian music from a couple of centuries ago. Uh, you know, I'd have him on the stereo, I'd have my Bible open, and a joint in this hand getting high. That's what it was. And I did that. Good couple of weeks. Anybody in the church would have seen me, it's like, would have been shocked. And after a cough, thought, I thought, hey, man, this is the life. You know the commercial? Hey, this is the high life, baby. That's what I thought it was. This is wonderful. This is great. I love it. For a couple of weeks. And then Jesus started talking to me. Dave, let's have a chat. We need to talk. And he talked to me, and he just let me know, I can do better. But here's the thing, Jesus did it. Jesus is the one that talked to me, not somebody else. 
Our job is not to, to, uh, to um, um, make that call. Our job is not to go telling people everything that's wrong in their life. We don't get to decide who belongs to Jesus and who does not. We don't get to decide who is a true disciple and who is not. We don't get to, it's, it's not for us to determine that, you know, to things like, okay, this person is ready to hear about Jesus, but this person is not ready yet. It's not for us to decide this person's too far gone, they will never accept Christ. It's not for us to decide this person isn't interested in talking about Jesus. None of that's for us to decide. You and I can't see into someone's heart. And sometimes a person who seems the most resistant, sometimes a person who seems to have the hardest heart, sometimes those who, who, who you know, seem to resist the most is the person that is closest to surrendering their life to Jesus. They've just got to put up a good front. I mean, all the time, you know, Lisa was trying to tell me about Jesus and tell me about Jesus. And, okay, I grew up in the church. I know all about him. I don't need any of this stuff. I'm, you know, it's like I believe and, and, you know, that's enough. Finally, she quit trying to tell me. And she just lived it in front of me and prayed. I tell you, you got a mother or you got a wife or a mother or a grandmother that's praying, give up. There's no hope. And she started praying, and um, she would bring home from church uh, these these magazines all the time, Pentecostal Evangel, okay, I think that was the name of it, the Assembly of God put them out, because uh, they had them at the church she was a good start, had started going to. So, you know, and they were filled with story after story after story after story of people's transformation, how their lives were transformed by Jesus, and they were all true stories. And one thing you need to know about me is I'm a sucker for a true story. I see a movie that's, a, that's based on true story. I want to see the movie, and then I want to look up and do research. Okay, what about this movie is really true and what is not? You know, like Apollo, uh, was it Apollo 13, the movie? I had to watch that and see, you know, see the movie. And then I saw, okay, what was, uh, what was about it was true and what was not. Most of it was very accurate. There's a little bit they put in, like they got into it in the cockpit of the command module or a little bit that, you know, I think was made up. But most of it was true. I'm a sucker for a true story. So Lisa would bring these magazines home lay them on, the, on the, the chair or the couch or end table or whatever, and just leave them there. Wouldn't tell me to read them, wouldn't, you know, and, and I would just ignore them until I went and took her to work. And then I would come back to the apartment and just read it cover to cover because I was amazed at the stories they told. I don't know where, how I got to that, where I am or whatever, but, but you know, I, I did not, oh, I, yeah, I did not appear interested at all, but I was getting this close. I just couldn't let anybody else in on it. I couldn't let anybody else see it. We can't see into someone's heart. We can't tell what it is that is, that is, what the condition of their heart is, how close they are, how interested they might be. We simply can't tell. 
I had somebody call me one time. It's my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law called me. And he said, oh, I got this guy I've been talking to, you know, about Jesus and that. And you need to talk to him. You know, I'm the pastor, so everybody, you know, brings their family, friends, whatever, to me to fix. Like I can do anything, you know. So he, he puts him on the phone. I've never talked to the guy before, never met the guy before. And we just started talking a little bit. A little while later, I'm leading into the Lord. I had no clue that that was going to happen. It's like, this is too easy. Sometimes it's real easy. Sometimes it's not. But we don't know. We can't make the call. And neither are we supposed to try. We are just to cast the net everywhere, anywhere and everywhere. Share the good news about Jesus with everyone, everywhere. Just keep sharing the good news. There is a time coming when there will be a final separation of those who belong to Jesus and those who do not. And those who do not will face judgment. But there is only one time when we are going to know who that is and who that isn't. And that is on that day. Up until then, we don't know. And if we have a chance of bringing someone into relationship with Jesus, that's what we want to do. That day is coming, but we are not the ones that are to make the call. God will make that call and will send his angels to separate the true from the false, those that have relationship with him and those that don't. And let me tell you something. There's going to be a lot of people that we found out have a relationship with him and that we didn't know, that we're surprised at. It's like, I didn't know that because I saw this and this and I thought, and Jesus is going to say, that's, that's a problem. You thought. It's not up to you to decide. He goes, it's up to me. That's what he says. Okay. I just want to say this. Just make sure you're ready when that day comes. And I pray that when that day comes for each one of us, we're not only ready, and we're not only on the right side, but we've got a whole group of people linked with us that we've brought with us. Make sure you have a relationship with God through Jesus and that he's first in your life. Because there's one person that you are responsible for, one person you will answer for, and that is you. So I want to ask you now, do you have a relationship with God through Jesus? I'm not asking if everything is figured out in your life, if everything is all lined up, you know, ducks in a row, and you got everything. And that's not it. Do you have a relationship with God through Jesus? Is your faith in him and him alone? Have you asked him to, to, to take the, the, the heaviness and the guilt of your sin and, 
and everything you've done wrong and based on the fact that Jesus laid down his life for you on the cross, has he taken all of that off and have you received his, his forgiveness? Do you believe that he rose from the dead after dying on that cross? If that's you and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you're ready for that, I want everybody to close your eyes for a moment. I'm not going to take long at this. Close your eyes. But if that's you and you just want to say yes to Jesus now, just slip up your hand right now. Not going to take a long time. Yes. Okay. Father, I pray. You see the hand, you see the heart. And I thank you. I want to just invite you to pray with me now, everyone. Lord Jesus, I believe that you went to the cross for me. In the ultimate demonstration of love, you laid down your life for me. Thank you. You paid for my sin. Thank you. You rose from the grave to give me new life. Now help me to walk in that new life as you fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to bring as many as I can along with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand. A benediction this morning. Ready to receive it. May your troubles keep you near the cross, and may your struggles show that God is near. May your battles end the way they should. May your bad days prove that God is good. May your whole life prove that God is good. God bless you. Go out and have a great week. We'll see you next week.